Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in His love and truth. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy, happy Sunday. Raise the blinds, guys. It's beautiful out there. Do you guys mind if we raise them? You guys get over there? Window seats. Um, if you have a booklet, we are in uh, part three of a four-part marriage series called Marriage in the Ring, and we're going to talk about lasting principles that'll keep you going. Morning, sweetie. Good morning. Had so much fun Friday night. Uh, place was full, great dinner, dancing. They brought the dance floor in. I thought it was way too big. That's a huge dance floor. That thing was too small. <laughs> and then we shut the disco down. We were like, go home. And they're like, no. And they just wanted to like, dance till midnight. And then uh, last night dealt with conflict, kind of getting through the ordeals of life. And uh, very much enjoyed that. Good conversations afterwards. This morning, we're in Genesis chapter 29. If you need a Bible, ushers uh, would be happy to serve you in that capacity. Just raise your hand. The guys would bring you a Bible. Or it's in the booklet as well. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, amazing story. And, uh, and then fill some things in uh, with us pertaining to this wonderful love story in Genesis chapter 29. Look at verse 10. It came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and he rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban and his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. It's always an interesting first impression, I thought. But it certainly is a sign of affection and emotion here in Genesis chapter 29. It's just like love at first sight. He just sees her. She's the one for him. And uh, he's sort of been, you know, venturing out. He's literally on the run. Jacob is. He's had this little episode with his twin brother Esau. And he's um, kind of on his way to find a new life. And in the process of all that, finding a new life would really like to find a wife. And uh, they meet at this well. The well actually is still there. We've been to the well. It's a fascinating tour spot if you ever do get over to Israel. It's still there. And, 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 and they meet there, and he's just overcome. And he's overcome with emotion. He's overcome with gratitude. And uh, sees the heart of this gal. And verse 12, Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebecca's son. And he ran and he told his father. She ran and she told her father. And it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So here's the, here's the new beginning. Uh, so far, so good. And he told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed there for a month. 
And Laban said to Jacob, because you're my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were delicate, which is a a nice translation. Well, in the original, you've taught on this. In the original language, it means dreary. Her eyes were dreary. She had a drooping eye, and uh, so it's delicate in the sense that there's a little bit of a droop to it, and um, that kind of comes up later in the story. It's interesting. Leah, suffice it to say, not the most attractive of the two sisters, Um. But Rachel was beautiful, beautiful of form and appearance. So that's like doubly beautiful, according to the way the Bible would describe on the inside and on the outside. Verse 18, Jacob loved Rachel, has since he first laid eyes on her back there at the well, and he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than, 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 I, than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. This is clutch. Look at this. Verse 19. Um, or verse 20. And they seemed only a few days to him. Those seven years flew by. Right? Seemed only a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. And then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my, he's been checking off the calendar. My days are fulfilled that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place, and he had a feast. And, they, and it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and he brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. And it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. So like the bridal veil comes off and he's staring at the drooping eye. He's like, what in the world? This wasn't the deal. What have you done to me? Why? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, verse 26, must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. He's like, one thing I forgot to tell you. The younger never gets married before the older. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service with which you will serve with me another, another seven years. Where were you 14 years ago? Another seven years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, filled the obligation, and he gave him his daughter Rachel as, as, as his wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. And, and Jacob also went into Rachel, and uh, he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. So, so this... 
amazing. What we want to talk about is, is smoothly sailing through those types of challenging encounters, challenging seasons. I'm calling them uh, the seven seas. Or in the boxing analogy of marriage in the ring, like how can you survive the the 10 round, the 8 round, the 7 round, the 12 round heavyweight bout, right? And we've had some. Round one for us, year number one, is a rough one. It's a tough one. Um, the toughest. But we survived. We did. And then we got, you know, we got we, to... We didn't just survive, we thrived. We did. And... Um, and then the seventh year, and then the fourteenth year, and then the the thirtieth year. So the, for those of you that are here, hang in there. It gets. It can keep getting better. It can keep better getting better and better. Better and better and better. It's those first thirty. <laughs> so um, you want to tell us your? Where what? are you going? I was just like wander. So I heard the funniest story. This is uh, Brian and Jenny Axford. Do you mind telling it? Okay. Just stand up here with me. And, uh... Okay. Brian and I have been married 37 years, and he really likes words, and I'm, I don't need words. Uh, last Wednesday, I was way over in San Marcos, away from home, and I thought, you know, I really should stop and get him a Valentine's card. He really likes words. So I went to this Hallmark store, and I walked in, and I spent a lot of time, like, I don't know, a minute, and I picked out a beautiful <laughs> card, and I thought, oh, our granddaughter's three, I should get her a card. I literally turned to the, where the granddaughter section was, and who was kneeling down, picking out a card, but my husband, who had been there picking out a card for me, and he was picking out one for our granddaughter. And so we gave each other the cards. <laughs> And she said, you were going to spend $7.50 on me? And we read our cards, and we kissed, and we took a picture, and we put them back. And we, <laughs> and we went to Starbucks and had a coffee. Oh, let's give him a hand. That's so good. That's awesome. Woo! So these seven, uh, let's get... Let's get on this. The, the seven C's, they're all going to, obviously, they're all going to start with C. And the first one's commitment. I love the commitment. Don't you love the commitment of the Oxfords? I love the commitment of Jacob. I love the commitment that comes out in this story. And uh, the commitment on all different levels. Um, Certainly, first and foremost, we're all in church this morning. Some of you are married. Some of you are single. Some of you are kind of thinking, one of these days I'll get married. You need to hear this. You need to know that it is all grounded and founded and remains solid because of commitment. And first and foremost, it's your commitment to who? It's to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your commitment to God. And then your commitment to each other. That a threefold cord is not easily broken with Him now as the one that you've committed to, Bond, Bond shared about it, just beautifully shared about it last night. If you, if you missed last night, if you missed session number two, grab it on, on, the, uh, on the horizon.org site and, and just see that that's the glue, the mortar that, that has held us together, that holds you together is 
is your commitment to God. And then your commitment to each other is what holds things together in the family. Guys, the greatest thing you could ever do for your kids is love your wife. That's the glue that holds the family together. That commitment to each other is what brings the lasting element of commitment to your family. And I see so many kids, sadly, that find themselves in the crosshairs because mom and dad have fallen out of love with each other and then the glue and the mortar is gone in holding the commitment of the family structure together. And you've got to be able to see that ultimately what's being recorded for us in Scripture in Genesis 29, the first book of the Bible, shows to us symbolically the power that we are a part of something bigger than just ourselves. Because here's what happens. We'll kind of get ourselves siloed off or in a vacuum and we're kind of out of the connection of fellowship in a community such as what Horizon provides. And that's when the devil starts messing with your level of commitment and it can begin to disintegrate or dissolve or erode and, and it, can, it can do so vertically, and then it begins to move in and, 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 and take effect horizontally. And then all of a sudden, the kids are suffering as a result. And ultimately, what happens is that we become the bad billboard for the greater cause. And people will look at the church and say, well, they're as messed up in their marriages as everyone out there in the world is. And the commitment that Jacob makes is a commitment of hanging in there strong so that that story of his life could provide for us the hope that is necessary today because he remained committed. Even when he didn't get what he wanted. He stayed committed. He could, have, he could have run. He could have said, forget it. He remained committed. And so commitment is the first one we'd love for you to write down, that you're in it for love and you're in it for the long haul. Stay committed. Amen? Secondly. The second C is communication. And um, I, think the key, I think the key to life is the same key to communication, and it's, as a Christian, it's prayer. Um, pray without ceasing, right? So that's the key to life. That's the key to marriage. That's the key to communication. Um, prayer, not just asking, but listening. Listening when you pray to what God's answer is. And the way that I listen, the way that I know best to listen, is by reading his word, because that's his voice speaking. And so... Some of the things that his word says about communication are Proverbs 31, 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Um, I think so many times in marriage, kindness goes out the window. I'm kind to my friends. I'm, I'm kind to strangers. But then I let the real me come out when it's just Bob and I. And, and that's not what God wants us to do. So we are to be wise and we are to be kind. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man or woman holds them back. And again, so many times 
it's when we're alone with our spouse that we just let it all out, right? Like that's our safe place. That's where we let it all out. But again, that's what prayer is for. Let it all out to the Lord so that you can speak with wisdom and kindness to your spouse. Um, and then Ephesians 4, 29 through 32 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And when you are communicating, and it's not just with, with, your, with anyone, really, it all applies, but in marriage, when you are communicating, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it, and it's when you say it, right? And all of that comes back to prayer and, um, and allowing the Scripture to be in your heart and in your mind when you are communicating. I think so many times we just stop trying. We're just going through life, and we're communicating what we feel without bringing it under the control of the Lord. And I think that's what makes communication totally different. And I know when I feel my emotions escalating and I hear my words growing stronger, if I will take the time to pray which is inviting God into the situation. He's there, right? He's here. I think we take that for granted. When we invite him in, it changes everything. Yeah, I think when I've gone to the Lord with, with my concerns, like I'm convicted right now, even as you're sharing about communication, because I suck at it. I mean, and I'm like the paid communicator in the room, but... He just doesn't like communication. I, um, I will clam up and sometimes end up really saying the wrong thing or bring home with me an entire train load, you know, of people are messy. Y'all are messy. <laughs> and sheep, here's something about sheep I've learned as a shepherd. Sheep bite. And if I go home and just sort of like, vent all of that on, I gotta, I gotta, and, and I'm just using that as an example, because guys, you have the same challenges, gals, you have the same challenges in your, in your careers, in your workplace, but if we can bring those things to the Lord, I find that I have a much healthier relationship with her when I have first and foremost committed my thoughts and concerns and cares, where? Well, I mean, what does Jesus say? Cast all your cares on her. No. Is that what the verse says? No. Cast all your cares on me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He loves when we cast all of those cares. So I'm, I'm like ready to add another C to the list because I'm convicted in my own communication. You're a good listener, though. You don't like to answer back, but you're a good listener. Okay, so number three then, that leads us to number three, is compromise. Commitment, communication. There's commitment going on in the story found for us there in Genesis chapter 29. He hung in there. He hung in there twice as long as he has agreed to to ultimately get the desire of his heart. Secondly, communication. He had to communicate even with the rat 
Uncle Laban who's taken full advantage and cooking the books on old Jacob. He's, he's openly communicating. He's sharing. And then thirdly, compromise. I love the verse in Colossians chapter 3. Jot this one down. Colossians 3.12 says that it's with compassion and kindness and humility and mildness and patience. I think all of those words sum up compromise. You can't survive in marriage without it. And there's a compromise that Jacob was willing to accept in his life. And I know it gets a little hazy and kind of fuzzy and sort of a little sideways weird because we're talking multiple wives <laughs> in Genesis chapter 29. But if you could just kind of peel that part back and realize the principle found there within is compromise that it took teamwork in order for him to keep harmony within his home. And there was, with the compromise, an open-mindedness when he had to go back to Laban and say, what's it going to take in order for me to get the one I really love? There, there, there comes for us in our lives multiple marriage set aside. There, there comes in our lives a need for the communication of compromise so that the team can work. There's got to be some give and take. There's got to be some, some ground given so some ground could be gained. There needs to be some self-sacrifice. That's what compromise is all about. And if one wins, here's a great principle for marriage. If one wins and one loses, what? Both lose. And so I think it's amazing as you sort of here, get this. Here, here's, the, here's the crazy element in which God Himself often works. He didn't really have the hots for Leah. Like, at all. Drooping eye and everything included, he just wasn't... <clears throat> Laban's like, culturally, one can't happen first without the other. Here's what God does. You know who comes from Leah? Doesn't come from Rachel. Leah gives birth to Reuben. Leah gives birth to Simeon. Leah gives birth to Levi. The priest, Levi. And Leah gives birth to Judah. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Isn't this just... It's the comedy of God. That you're not so much naturally attracted to the drooping eye sister, but it's from her that the Savior of the world will come. It's through Leah. And then Rachel, the one that clearly... Jacob's got the hots for. You know, she, she gives birth to Joseph, which is awesome, which is great, and she gives birth to Benjamin. Certainly two favorites, two favorites of mine in Scripture. 
But none of that ever would have happened or come to fruition to the glory of God without compromise. So I think we need to be open in our marriages to the sovereignty of God, even working in spite of or beyond what we might find ourselves naturally gravitated towards or attracted to. Compromise is huge. Number four. Well, and I just, to end on compromise, think there's sometimes where we get married and we think this isn't what I wanted. Right. It, I thought it was, and I woke up, and it's not. But God can use it. Um, he has a plan and a purpose. And so we have to just trust him with the things that we thought weren't what we wanted. And then consideration is number four. To consider one another. Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And I think sometimes I treat my husband the same way I treat the Lord, um, in the sense that I wake up in the morning and I try to figure out how they fit into my day, what I need them to do for me on any given day in order for my day to run the way I want it to run. Instead of waking up and trying to see how I fit into the Lord's plans that day. How do I fit into what my husband needs to do today? How can I help him? How can I support him? Um, I just, it just is in our nature to wake up and think about ourselves. Um, and, and to consider treating one another, again, I think so many times I might be on the phone with someone and being so encouraging and so supportive, and even when I don't agree with them, trying to share with them in a way that they feel um, my concern and my love for them, and then I turn around and, and say something unkind or irritated or I ignore a need. Um, and why, why is it that I do this, do that, when this is the number one priority relationship that God has blessed me with? And to remember that within our marriage, we're to consider one another and to offer first and foremost to this person the fruit of the Spirit. Um, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. Um, this is the person that I'm supposed to wake up and consider first um, and throughout my day. And I think I know personally many times I fall short of that. No, no, no. So we're both being convicted this morning. <laughs> Maybe a wonderful breakfast this morning. Got me going. You got me here. Very considerate. You brought me coffee, so we're even. Okay. Are you getting these? These will keep you going in the boxing ring of the rounds. Commitment, hang in there. In it for love, in it for the long haul. Communication, compromise, consideration. Number five, consistency. Consistency. I'm looking at a couple of pilots in the room. Morning, Captain Newman. Where were you at last? Tahiti. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Suzanne, you're in the jump seat? Good for you. Mike and Karen, good morning. So a pilot, here's consistency. Because you all get on a plane, you don't care how many years Newman's been flying that plane to Tahiti. You care about one thing, his next landing. 
A pilot's only as good as his next landing as you're on that plane. You could have 30 years. How many years has it been? No, for the flying. 35? And how many for the marriage? Oh, my goodness. Awesome. You know what that is? That's consistency right there. Yeah, give it up. Awesome. Um, it's a lot of landings. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says that what is required is for us to be found faithful. That's consistency. That's consistency. And uh, that's the consistency that's hold it together, right, Turk? Both you and Karen. How many years? 38 years in marriage and on the board of Horizon for just about that long, my friend. And Karen also, a full-fledged jet pilot and a lot of landings and a lot of faithfulness and a lot of consistency in the room. Awesome. You guys, this is what the community needs to see. They don't need to see the crash and burn of our marriages. They need to see successful landings and takeoffs and faithfulness. And, and that's, the, that's the power of habits. You were talking about, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you were talking to someone on the phone the other day about, about habits. And what were you saying? You were just kind of saying, how long does it sort of take for that to become ingrained and developed? Well, I, I don't know about for other people because there's studies out there that say seven weeks or four yeah. weeks or whatever. I just feel like if I consistently do something different for two weeks, so I'm, I'm advanced apparently, but <laughs> I can, I feel like it, be, it, you know, you have habits and they're hard to break, but if you're really focused on it for a few weeks in prayer, um, you can break habits and change habits, and, and, it doesn't, and it gets easier and easier instead of staying as hard as it is when you start trying to break those habits. Yeah. Get into those habits. Get into those routines. Set those, uh, you know, every, every one of these guys, they take nothing for granted in the sense that, you know, they're going down that cockpit checklist, and you ought to have one. You ought to have one. And you ought to have a board. I have a board that holds me accountable, that keeps me going. I think, I think a pastor is very much like a pilot. You, you, you know, he's only as good as his next sermon. And you want that next ser- this next series? I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited about Marriage in the Ring. I really felt like the Lord gave us these talks and kind of a fresh perspective on these favorite passages of Scripture. But I can't wait. We got 50 days of Easter starting next weekend. And then we jump into a spring series called Spin Class. Spin class, and what we're doing is we're taking some of the subject matter that's out there in society that's just being spun, like gender, gender in a blender, (laughs) and how could we, where that spin is concerned, how could we together find a higher gear? And I I think us as a church, the fruitfulness and success of this ministry has been, it's been this, the faithful consistency of God's Word. And that's got to be true for your marriage. And if it isn't, get there. And start your day with the Lord. And share those nuggets with each other and hug each other and pray together and have some consistent habits because 
Um, wives, I'm telling you, as much as you're grateful that he was consistent and faithful yesterday, you want him consistent and faithful today. And as much as you want him consistent and faithful today, you want him consistent and faithful when? Tomorrow. Don't just give me yesterday. I want it to see it continue. That takes habits and checklists and determination and all that makes up the amazing word of the fifth on the list, that being consistency. Anything to add to that? Or number six? Number six is you. Number six is cooperation. And marriage takes a lot of cooperation. And I think that's what made it so hard for us in the beginning. We really didn't realize that we were one. We just thought we were two separate people. We had our own separate agendas, our own separate expectations and things that we thought marriage was going to be. And then when you become one, you discover that it can't be up to one or the other, that you have to work on everything together. Because what affects one of you affects both of you. And I think that was a hard, a hard lesson for us because, well, you didn't ever want to get married, so you had all your plans that didn't involve someone else. So then someone else came along with all my plans that did involve someone else, but it involves someone else doing exactly what I thought that someone else should do. And we came together and didn't know how to cooperate, didn't know how to support each other's dreams, didn't understand each other's expectations. And so even when we, he continued to do what he felt called to do and I continued to fight for what I thought I wanted in marriage, um, it, it inevitably affected the marriage and you have to learn how to cooperate. You have to communicate in order to cooperate, um, but you're one. So no matter what, what affects one affects the other and you have to learn how to work together and you have to learn how to compromise and you have to learn how to consider one another. All of these things you have to do in cooperation. And one thing I know to be true when one marriage partner is doing everything that they can according to the will of God in a marriage, and the other person just isn't, isn't in that place. And that happens a lot. Um, you don't give up because God is faithful. And even when one is trying as hard as they can to be in the will of God and the other person isn't wanting to co cooperate, God's in control. And so it works the best, it works as God planned it when both of you are in his will. But even when it's only one of you, he will teach you how to cooperate with someone who isn't living according to God's will. Because there are a lot of married couples that are not, one is saved and one is not saved. Uh, one is on fire for the Lord and, and one is, is still in the early stages. Um, and as long as you are following God's will for marriage, living out the role that he gives you to live. Um, he will show you how to cooperate and to work together and to move more and more towards that oneness. He will reward you for being faithful. Amen, he has. And I, we were not on the same page at all. I mean, we, we had to learn this. This was tough. This for us on the, on the list of the seven... This round six was, was the beat-up, take-down round because we were not on the same page. 
And I'll tell you why. Oh, this is good. <laughs> well, first of all, I was living in Ocean Beach. And uh, bachelor pad to the night. I mean, and, and so, um, and then Bond starts showing up with all this junk. <laughs> I, it, and it didn't take long before that apartment was like totally chickified. He sat, he sat literally in our first bedroom when I'm moving in after we get married. I'm unpacking, moving into our bedroom. And he literally sat in the corner by the window on the floor and said, I don't have any space left. Okay, you're not cooperating. I'm, I'm... Just want to paint the picture. <laughs> no, I was going to say the reason why we weren't on the same page is because my mom and dad were not on the same page. And I grew up in a home and a family where mom was mom in a very, very successful career. Director of surgery at Scripps. And dad had his life, and the two were not on the same page. And it cost them their marriage. And I never thought, and mom never thought, that would ever be the case you know, that dad would walk out on us and choose to no longer cooperate in the marriage and, and for the sake of the family. You would think after 37 years they would have it together, and it was a train wreck. And it very much, as many of you know, become the, the testimony of, of my life and ministry, and it's what has given me the heart and compassion and love for people who come from broken homes, from broken families, because I didn't think I'd ever come from that, and now I do. And how many, how many else do? Let me see your hands. You come from a broken family. Let me see your hands all over the room. And so I, I had to learn how to cooperate in ways that I had not had that exemplified in, in, in my life. And, and I'll tell you what, what really brought it was um, the example that you grew up in, which, you know, wasn't perfect. It was, it was messy, and, and yet there was cooperation that has been the tried and true consistency of, of your family. To this day. And, um, and you know who else brought it in for us was Brock. When Betsy married Brock and Brock came into our family, I think probably one of the most beautiful stories that I can remember of cooperation is when we were all at Forced Home. It was a family camp, and uh, we were up there as a church, and I was speaking, and one of the family's kids, what would she lose? Was it a hearing aid? Or she lost her glasses? She lost a hearing aid out on the athletic field. And uh, we grabbed everybody from the church. There was like, I don't know, 60 or 70 of us, 75 of us up there. And we all, shoulder to shoulder, arm and arm, like the whole church, like all 75 of us, just started taking one step at a time and going through the grass in the field to find that little hearing aid. And the cooperation of us all as one big church family trying our best to find that little hearing aid for that family. It was just so clutch, so cool. In the middle of that, Brock, he prays this prayer to the Lord. 
just quietly in his heart. Brock, are you here? I don't know if he's in the service. Um, he said, Lord, if you would use me to find the hearing aid, I'll do whatever you want. I'll be, a, I'll be a junior high youth pastor if you want. And he opened up his eyes from that prayer and he looked down and there was the hearing aid. And he's like, oh, snap. And he picked it up out of the grass and he yelled to all 75 of us in the row, I've, I've got it. And for the next how many years, and to this day serves as the director of our Awana ministry on Wednesday nights, Brock Gamel has faithfully served the Lord. Unbelievable. That's a great picture of well, cooperation. Well, cooperation is submitting to the will of God. And that's what he did, and that's what changed our marriage. And that's exactly right. It's powerful. It is. Number seven compliments. Yeah, this is all you. Compliments. You look beautiful this morning. That's not Who got what I you meant. that dress? That's not what I meant. <laughs> um, you know, as, as funny as we might um, find the verses to be in Song of Solomon, and, and sometimes as dated as we find those verses to be in the Song of Solomon, they are metaphorically symbolic. Of, of this seventh and final category in sailing smoothly through the seven seas because they're all, what's the point of them, right? Your neck is like the Tower of Lebanon. <laughs> what, what is that? Your eyes are like fish pools. <laughs> your virtue and your grace they cause a thousand famous soldiers to surrender to your beauty. I could keep going. I, I could. Your stature is like a palm tree. Maybe, I will maybe, climb. Maybe we, I didn't mean this should all be you. This is um, compliments. They're important. I read online a husband in the middle of the Super Bowl game who was in the midst of shoving uncrustable sandwiches in his mouth, turned to his wife and say, maybe you could Google J-Lo's workout and just do that. To which she online said, I would like to preemptively report a murder. So, <laughs> compliments. I understand her heart. It takes, it's going to take a while f for him to get out of the doghouse on that one, right? So I think, yeah, Song of Solomon and certainly throughout Scripture, there's just plenty of opportunities for us to find the best and to believe God for bringing about the best. And instead of focusing on the thing that maybe would be difficult to find a compliment over, like the droopy eye, you begin to go, wow, from this comes the tribe of Judah through whom which then would come the Savior of the world. God's on the throne. God knows what he's doing. God's brought you together. Don't be kind of convincing yourself thinking, no, no, she's not the one. I've actually found another soulmate. No. No, begin to pour in and compliment, 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 and allow your feelings to follow your compliments. 
Because God will honor that and God will bless that. And it will get you through seasons of difficulty and hardships uh, in your marriage and, and, uh, and in your life. I'm, I'm excited for the one-day men's conference because the, the, the topic of that day, and we've got some great speakers that are lined up, including Don McClure, who's absolutely just hilarious and one of the greatest students of the Bible out there. Um, funny and yet right to the point. And the theme of it is the well-worn road. Don't be looking for an, a new path or convincing yourself that the grass is greener. The grass is greener where you water it. And the compliments will help to water the garden of your marriage in ways to which then the Lord shows up and brings about a bounty of blessings, both here and now and forevermore. And the whole key and the whole point is to be in it for the long haul, committed through the seven seas, even when they become stormy. Amen? God's, God's faithful. Trust Him with your marriage. Put Him first in your life, in your heart, in your marriage. Make Him first in your priorities. Develop some of those much-needed habits, and these, these important components, I think, out of the story of the love that Jacob had for Rachel and the commitment that he also showed towards Leah uh, will be lived out faithfully in our marriages as well. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we do thank You for Your faithfulness. And how all of this really sets us up for the final talk on being able to see that marriage simply here on earth is meant to be an, an expression of our relationship with You. And how we marvel, Lord, at Your faithfulness, at Your commitment at Your loving words of affirmation and compliments and communication to us, and You say to every husband in the room, love her like that. Love her like Christ loved the church. There isn't a single guy in here that could come to me as their pastor and say, well, actually, I think I'm loving her too much. When you've loved her like Christ loved the church, you can come and talk to me. Lord, may we be open to that in our hearts to just allowing You to fill us with Your Spirit and with Your love, with Your giftedness, because You exemplified for us the greatest love ever when You laid down Your life for us. You call us the apple of Your eye. You placed us first, and may we, Lord, show the world what that love looks like in the way in which we treat our spouse, in the way in which we pour in, lean in, and trust you with our marriage. And may that picture even be more beautifully painted uh, in this very fourth and final last session of the conference this weekend as we take a just a short glimpse and picture of the marriage supper and 
and ceremony and celebration that is waiting for us to enjoy together right around the bend and for all of eternity when our faith is made sight and all will be made well. Help us to hang in there and remain committed and faithful to whatever round or ring we find ourselves where marriage is concerned. We love you so much and praise you and thank you for your faithfulness to us. May marriages be strengthened and healed today for your glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, amen, church, amen. Thanks for joining the Horizon Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed you, please share it either directly or on social media. If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service. Or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org slash live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.